exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Hey, look what time it is. It's happy hour. My name's Brock. I'll be your bartender for the next hour. Serving up all the best and the goings-on of movies and pop culture and so forth. So grab a stool. Let's tie one on. That's good, dude. Welcome to Happy Hour. My name is Brock, and uh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be Happy Hour with uh, technical difficulties, but uh, it's all good. We've got uh, a hell of a show coming up uh, on the panel this evening. Rob, who's totally pissed at me because uh, I had to be that guy earlier that was like, dude, uh, you know, I, I am one of the worst people with names on the face of the planet, just so you know. Uh, I'm the guy who calls everybody dude and man because I don't remember names. I will remember a face forever, but uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to names, I'm terrible. Also, uh, Kristen in the uh, studio, and of course, Dr. Marzak. John, uh, we'll hey be, dude, hey dude, he'll be joining us uh, shortly. But uh, the Red Wings game is on, so he has his priorities. Uh, quickly, before we get into stuff, um, on a uh, sad note. Uh, I was supposed to have the triumphant return of uh, Jason, uh, Jason Nick, and Sean Broyles. Unfortunately, one of our acquaintances and friends uh, passed away this week, who is also um, a, uh, a figure in Lansing Media. Uh, you knew him as the uh, sports anchor at uh, ABC 53, and he did, I think it was Afternoon Drive on uh, Power 96.5 KP. He was a good guy, hell of a guy. I worked with him at ABC 53. And anybody that uh, put up with the degree of stuff that uh, he had to put up with uh, Jason Nick and those guys was uh, was monumental. So uh, I, my uh, thoughts go out to uh, his family. Uh, not a, a great way to open a show, but uh, one way to open it nonetheless. So an honorable way. An honorable way. We have so much. This is. I was telling uh, John earlier that this might be one of the uh, the first times that we have so much to talk about. We might not actually get into it all. Usually I'm scraping for stuff, but uh, this week, uh, lots to talk about. Uh, any, what did you guys do last weekend for homecoming? What did you think? Rob, Rob is still upset with me, and actually... I met you like five times, like literally. <laughs> okay, like he, more like than he, I had to sit with him because uh, he was coming from uh, Indiana to uh, decide if he wanted to go to grad school, and they put, yeah, put him like, in the yeah. studio with me. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you cared, and you were just another typical lying boy. I, I know. Did I break your heart, Rob? Yes. Uh, so what did you think of the Michigan State homecoming? I would imagine it was your first. I actually went back to IU to watch uh, that. Oh, <laughs> boo. I'm sorry. I No, dude, you didn't miss anything. Yeah, sure I mean, you. they both lost. Yeah. Right? I heard I, I heard we had Kermit the Frog. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we Is did. that true? It was because it was forever green. It's it ain't true. easy being green. It's not. <laughs> dude. What'd you do, Kristen? I went to the parade. Did you? I did. It did was you, actually. Were you involved with the impact at the parade? If I you were at the parade, <laughs> uh, I would hope that you were involved with the impact. I wasn't. I had watched it from the sidelines because I had to cheer you guys on. It's too indie for parade. I was I too indie. So. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but it was fun. I'd never been before, and I felt this real sense of community with the Lansing area. You know, for those that you don't uh, that you don't know and haven't heard us talk about it before, Kristen actually spent the summer uh, working. Uh, for the David Letterman show in New York this City. This is true. We need to do an entire show on, uh, <laughs> on how your uh, experience 
uh, celebrity stories, and it was fun. Yeah, good mm-hmm. times. And you got to hang out uh, with a bunch of indie bands, like Impact style bands, because yes. all the really good bands are on tour for the summer. <laughs> so and true. Not actually playing uh, the late night show. So I was really shocked about that. My first couple weeks, <laughs> I, I showed up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I played them on the Impact, and like Morningwood and Band of Horses, and uh, all those guys. So. Yeah. It was really cool. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Dr. Marzak, what'd you do? Last week you were on your way to North Carolina, I believe. Yes, certainly I was on my way to the land of milk and honey known as North Carolina. Is it, was... it really known as that? <laughs> well, they have sweet tea and fried chicken, so it's okay. the same thing, really. And uh, I really liked it, and North Carolina, mad props, yo. Sweet. <laughs> we're get outside. We'll do it again. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, this upcoming weekend, obviously, the uh, Michigan State uh, U of M game, which is going to be a total slaughter. Uh, I'm calling it right now, as I called our loss last week as well. Uh, but it's not saying I, I'm not uh, faithful to the uh, the MSU football team, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, first, let's get into movies. Top five box office from last weekend. Uh, open season, open weekend, number one. Uh, wow. Yeah, yet another fantastic cartoon movie featuring the likes. And Ashton Kutcher actually has is in the top two movies as he's in open season and The Guardian. Mm-hmm. Jeremy was really excited about The Guardian uh, because not only is it uh, Kevin Costner, uh, but he said it was like Top Gun but for uh, the U.S. Navy or National Guard. Oh, did they, have, did they have Coast a volleyball Guard. scene? That's the best part. I don't know. And I don't think Goose dies in this one either. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Jackass 2 coming in at number three. Who has not seen Jackass number two? Me. Rob I have not. Oh, you know, I I have to say that I was I, I enjoyed Jackass when it was on uh, MTV years ago now it's been. But I was like, Jackass, a movie? That, that's kind of ridiculous. I didn't see it in the theaters. I rented it and hadn't laughed so hard in a long time. So I thought number two would be good, and it does not disappoint. It is absolutely fantastic. What was the most disgusting... I can't talk... You cannot talk about half of it on the air. I kid you not. Which is the best part. Yeah, absolutely. And the best part, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jeremy and I went to... It was like a matinee show. It was like 3.30 in the afternoon last week. And he and I were the only ones in the theater, and we're That's like, sweet, cute. you know? We get to hold hands and do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, about five minutes before the movie started, this couple came in. They were like 65. Oh, no. what? And they laughed harder than we did. They loved it. They nice. loved everything. What? I Maybe they just had a laugh box on, <laughs> and they were just making out. Yeah, like they had their stomas on, and uh, 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 they were laughing. Oh, I didn't so say weird. they were throat cancer patients. <laughs> I walked in at the right time. You did, John. <laughs> hey, Johnny, did you see uh, Jackass number two yet? I have not. We, I'll take you to see okay. it because I want to see it again. I, I, we'll make it a date. And the old lady wants to see it too, so oh. I have to take her to see it as well. Okay, that's the one fine. with the stoma. No, I can handle the competition. That's okay. okay. <laughs> Another movie that's out that's getting terrible reviews from critics, which means it's probably really good: The Science of Sleep. Uh, if any of you have seen uh, reviews for it, it's that's the, getting terrible reviews. Getting terrible, like one and a half stars. The trailer oh. looked oh. like it would it set the world aright. NPR seemed to like it. Okay, so what, like I said, <laughs> the critics are saying that it's terrible. Right. Uh, it's done by the same guy who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Michelle Gondry. Another movie that's out that I'm hearing nothing but uh, fantastic things, but of course it's not playing anywhere around here, is The Last King of Scotland. Uh, Who's in that, Brock? Oh, uh, let me see. Um, 
The Scottish Doctrine Union and Medical Mission becomes irreversibly. Uh, I was. <sighs> Forrest Whitaker is uh, is one of the main characters. James McAvoy, Kerry Washington, Gillian Anderson. Oh, yes, wow. it's X-Files. good to see she's finding work. Yeah, X-Files. good to see that uh, she went through she, a rough divorce. Yeah, oh, did she? Yeah, she was she making went money through a rough spot in her career too. The nude pictures on the internet. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> we wouldn't know anything about that though. Oh, come on. Uh, other than that, any of the names I I'm really don't know. But on Entertainment Tonight, they did a thing about The Last King of Scotland. Da, 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 da. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's got to be great. Uh, but uh, Science of Sleep also, like I said, looking uh, decent as the uh, critics blow it apart. Opening this week, Employee of the Month, a movie oh. you could not pay me to see. I like Dane <laughs> Cook as much as the next guy, but Jessica Simpson in a co-starring role... Shoot me in the I face! I don't know, man. Right I think now. I'm gonna see it. The, uh, the previews oh. look hilarious, and I'll, I will re- I will reflect the sentiments of Jessica Simpson. I don't think she's anything special, but Dane Cook is hilarious, is dude. Yeah. Here's <laughs> the, here's the thing. This is one of the things I th- I I think about. Um, I I put Jessica Simpson and Marilyn Manson in, in the same category because <laughs> what? He, well, here's the thing. I think that Jessica Simpson is either really stupid, like the ditzy blonde that she's portrayed to be, or I think she's a genius and puts it on as a character, like Marilyn Manson does. He does. He's not really that evil. He doesn't like eat babies in his off time while he's not uh, scaring the world with his music. How do you know? Do you know him? Yeah. I have met Marilyn Manson, and we had a conversation about football. Does he call you at home? No, he doesn't call me at home. <laughs> But this was uh, this was after a uh, or before a concert in Grand Rapids years ago, but uh, he's a very normal guy. And if you even hear the guy talk in interviews, very normal, very if intelligent. If you've ever dude. seen the movie Bowling for Columbine, he is the he's the most adept commentator that yeah. uh, Michael Moore has in the entire. He makes the most sense yeah. of anybody in that movie. <laughs> Did you see Dane Cook on Saturday Night Live though? I saw a part of it. I didn't see all of it. I, I, I honestly I don't remember. Okay, because it was really bad. Was <laughs> Which what? I love Dane Cook, Did so I was host? surprised. He hosted it. Is that a reflection upon Dane Cook or the Saturday current Night writing Live. staff? Saturday Night Live. But still, it put a little tarnish Is on Robert it. Is Robert Smeagol still writing for SNL? You know. Well, I I don't know. Was he ever a full time? I know he was oh, a guest yeah. writer. No, I, I know he was writing. He's been a writer there forever. He was a writer when Conan O'Brien was a writer yeah. there, which is a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, very long time ago. But. Uh, Anyway, I know that he did the TV Funhouse set a TV show yeah. on Comedy Central that wasn't. I mean, they're not affiliated with NBC at all, so that's all I know about that. <sighs> Thanks, John Forney. You bet. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Beginning also opening. Yeah, yeah, not yes. seeing that. Uh, honestly, I had a friend Terrell who was in two weeks ago. Uh, he bought like the original DVD, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, and I remember watching it. That movie's awesome. And not realizing, not understanding why people think it's so awesome. <laughs> it is, it's a college film. Like, yeah. it's, it's, oh, it totally is. Yeah. But it's. I think if you watch the original, you have to uh, understand that. I mean, you have to understand context. that it's a horror movie from the seventies. Yeah. First of all, you can't like judge it by any standard of today. Because I mean, if you judge it by any standard of today, you get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out a year ago, and that movie was terrible. Yeah. But if you like look at it, it's like the cheesy '70s horror flick that it's supposed to be. Oh man, it's a treasure. I don't remember. Was is there gratuitous nudity uh, in the original t- Texas Chainsaw there Massacre? There was. I would hope nudity, there is. but it wasn't sexual gratuitous. of any nature. It was usually well, like Friday Scarface. the Thirteenth. You know, all the oh, yeah, some there randy was... kids going to swim in the <laughs> yeah, uh... right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, most of the nude people in the original are people that are being hacked up by Leatherface yeah, and so his chainsaw ripped off their clothes before he got to their flesh. Have a hard time uh, <laughs> yeah, getting along with that. Yeah. DVDs coming out this week are actually out by now because it's uh, Thursday, X-Men The Last Stand. Oof, uh, bad movie. That's what I've heard. It was oh, not good. It, it was horrible. The second was, was the best. Horrible. It was so bad. I it almost cried. It was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> Defend your argument. Okay, it was so bad. <laughs> what made it bad? Here's my here's my number one problem with this movie. The guy who plays um, Cyclops, James Marsden. Yes. Or not James, is that his name? That's yeah. correct. James Marsden. Um, he got a role. First, Brian Singer left the X-Men franchise to do Superman. He got a role in Superman, for those of you who saw Superman, as Lois Lane's kind of fiancé. Um, and he was actually really good in Superman. But in response to that in X-Men, because the studio was so pissed at Brian Singer for leaving, they wouldn't let him star in X-Men 3 as Cyclops, so they killed him in the first That was scene. the best part of the movie, the Dude, only good part of the movie. No way, that was so lame. He's the worst X-Men, <laughs> he's the worst X-Men anyway. Dude, he deserved dialogue, to die in the first The dialogue one. from Magneto, I can't even think of any of the lines. I've tried so hard to purge it from my memory. But the, <laughs> the second movie was clever. Like, it was really cool, and it was really slick the way they did it. The third movie was just like, we're mutants, and we're killing people! Ah, be scared! <laughs> and then, like, Wolverine fighting next to a 13-year-old girl, dude. Wolverine's supposed to be Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, with claws. He doesn't fight next to a 13-year-old Shadowcat's been historically young, and I think she was cast care. well. Wolverine is a team player, I don't know, he's not. <laughs> yeah. he he in the comic books, Wolverine and Jubilee hung out all the time. Dude, and it was lame! <laughs> Book I don't movie. care what the comic books did. It was lame. You sound like the a Republican who just shouts to prove his point more. You know what? It's oh. effective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they ran the house for 12 years, dude. It's an effective oh my playbook. God. We, oh, we will be doing the uh, usual Politico. Are we going to be doing Mark Foley? Yes, we are going to talk about better talk about Mark Foley. But not, we'll talk about it for different reasons. Uh, Also, uh, out on DVD this uh, week, thank you for smoking. In case you haven't seen the 60 billion TV ads they've had on the television. Good Lord. What's the ad buy for that, Mark? Every single commercial break, they play that commercial twice. For thank you for... What do you watch? What channel do you watch? Comedy Central. Maybe the the only thing I watch is The Daily Show. Maybe that's why. Comedy Central, FX. CNN. That's what I'm watching. And you got some diverse uh, uh, demographics there. White males age 20 to 60. That's pretty much their marketing that. Mm. That movie is clever and excellent. Oh, I agree. Every cast member in it is absolutely ripe. It is fantastic. Rob Lowe is great in it. Mm. Um, Katie Holmes is decent in it, surprisingly. I've heard her character is really good. I know nothing about her character. Does but she I've have any nude good. scenes? Yes. Yes. She does? Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yep. There's a little I was kidding. That. No, it's she has kinky. nude scenes. I, and, oh, I like the <laughs> Oh, yeah. She's, up on before she met Tom Cruise. So. <laughs> she's a little oh, naughty girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, she's good. Zing. Uh, something announced today that makes me very happy. I bought the original VHS back in 1994 when it was released. The Crow? They, uh, no. Uh, Little Mermaid? They, the Crow was released in 1995. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Uh, November 6th, the the uh, DVD debut of Nirvana's Live Tonight uh, sold out DVD. Oh, awesome. If you have not seen that DVD, it is absolutely... Well, you haven't seen the DVD. The VHS, if you haven't seen it, it is fantastic. 
Um, I will be running out to add it to my uh, huge Nirvana collection. Gleefully. I was actually going through, a, I had a phase where I was collecting uh, Nirvana imports and bootlegs and so forth. I counted the other day, I have 45 Nirvana CDs. Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's good for you. Did you ever get to see them live? CDs. <laughs> no, I did not. But I have, I have friends that saw them live so I can live vicariously through them. Uh, but all my friends that saw them live said they were absolutely terrible. Well, that Kurt was absolutely terrible. Because he was high all yeah. the time. <laughs> but anybody who's ever listened to the impact idea that we have of Nirvana, it's mm-hmm. Dave Grohl yelling at Kurt Cobain, who's obviously plastered, yeah. to drink more peppermint schnapps. Yeah. And then he stumbles out, You're listening to the impact! Yeah. And then David Grohl says something about how he's dancing. And he's Where pretty, was that? I don't even know. Uh, sound like the from? blind pig. Wasn't yeah. it recently found? Wasn't that yeah, like, I found like it in the archives. Year or yeah. two years ago? And when we started playing it, people started calling up and yelling at us because they didn't actually believe, believe that was that real. wasn't uh, real. But yeah. it is 100% real. Yeah, I've, the day that I found that was possibly one of my happiest days here at the Impact. <laughs> Without question. Or in life, in one life. of the two. <laughs> yeah. Nothing uh, wrong with that. They're so, icons. Indeed they are. Uh, we're going to move right on uh, because of uh, some uh, issues we're having here with uh, issues, technical issues. Oh, we're just going to go sans break, and we're going to talk the whole. Oh, hour. good. So fantastic. Let's move on into the uh, gubernatorial debates. The Yay. gubernatorial debates, which John surprisingly did not I see. I was in. I have seen clips now. <laughs> I have not seen the actual debate. I will say. Um, and I, I am always either dead, devil's advocate or I'm the uh, nonpartisan person here. Dick DeVos is an idiot. <laughs> Go ahead. I had to say it. It was walling up in my head. Now somebody take the opposite stance and tell me. No, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say the polls. The polls that came out. They always do polls post um, uh, debate. And I'm saying this, and we're talking about the debate because yeah, I know this is a pop culture show, um, but I've heard a lot of students talking about it, mm-hmm. so I figure it. it it fits in with pop culture. And by the way, 432-3893 is the phone number if you want to voice your opinion. Uh, or if you can want to do it uh, via AOL style, uh, Impact Exposure, all one word. That is our screen name. I didn't really, I didn't see all of it. I saw about three quarters of it. Um, I don't like the fact that debates are more of screaming matches. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, I didn't really see that there was a clear winner. The polls that came out afterwards said that Granholm was the winner. Yeah. I didn't... I, I will say this. I will say that if you are going to run for office, for public office, something as high as the governor's office, you had better be a one hell of a public speaker, and I did not see that out of Dick DeVos. Well, she wouldn't let him talk. She wouldn't what? let him say anything. She kept interrupting him, like, you know, typical of women. But hey, she's just like, oh, hey, hey, I'm just saying. Wow. Oh, man. That was over the line. Man. <laughs> that was way over the line. Debates are designed to work well. They're not usually interrupting each other. But, man, she just wouldn't let him talk. I was My Democratic leanings were sliding down the hill the further the debate went. She just kept interrupting. It was so frustrating. Works for Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. I... I don't know. I, I, John is, is over there seething, I think. Well, I think th- it's interesting when you look at debates, because in the 2000 election, Al Gore just, like, mopped the floor with George Bush, because obviously George Bush has, like, zero skills when it comes to public speaking. Or generally anything. Well, 
Yeah, I'll agree with that. But most specifically, <laughs> public speaking. So what? I mean, but in in all the polls, Al Gore just mopped the floor uh, with George Bush. But George Bush ended up coming out the winner because nobody expected him to do well. It came out looking like Al Gore was picking on him, and uh, George Bush is the one who ended up getting the boost in the polls. Um, and if you look at in two thousand four in the first debate. Everybody expected uh, John Kerry and George Bush to be equal because they're equally as bad public speakers for opposite reasons. George Bush can't complete a sentence, and John Kerry can't end a sentence. So, but it ended up John Kerry just clobbered George Bush because he got his speaking under control. Um, it's really interesting how debates work out in politics. I'm not sure how many people actually watched the gubernatorial debate. Well, I don't understand. <clears throat> I don't understand what the point really. I so the people can see see the people that they're going to vote for um, without, you know, not hiding behind, you know, uh, a camera and doing political ads, you know, having their script there. But does it, do debates really change people's minds? I, I bet they cement oh, them, yeah. but I don't know if I they think would debates, change them. I'm not sure if they actually... I. It's hard. It's tough to judge that because it depends on how many unmade-up minds there are. I don't think that pe somebody who's set on voting for Al Gore or George Bush or John Kerry and George Bush or Dick DeVos and Jennifer Granholm, I'm not sure that a debate's going to change their mind. What it can do, though, is people who are undecided, mm -hmm. I think that it can, it can sway their opinions. I think it can rally the supporters of each candidate if they have a really good performance. Um, and I think, more importantly, that it has a lot to do with how the media perceives the candidates. And that is a very, very important thing, heading this close into a, an election. It can give candidates more momentum in the eyes of the media and the people who portray uh, these political issues to the voters. When you when you are talked about more than the other guy, then you can control your message better. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, that brings me to my next point, is that, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any undecided voters anymore, because even when I brought up the fact, everybody came in here a little early for the show, and they're like, hey, what are we going to talk about? I said, oh, we're going to talk a little bit about politics, and everybody groans. They're like, oh, and I I hate. didn't groan. Yeah, I didn't I groan know. either. <laughs> I'm excited. And, and I, I, think, I think nowadays there, I think you make an excellent point, Brock. I think there are people who are committed and people who are apathetic. I don't think there's undecided people anymore, really. I, I just, I, I hate talking about politics. Here's the thing. I grew up in a household, a very conservative household. Mm -hmm. My parents are super conservative. Um, and the re why they still talk to me, I don't know. But um, I grew up, uh, my dad was a, a veterinarian, and he ran his own uh, small and large animal practice. And I remember during the summers, I would have to go out on call with my dad because my mom didn't want me around the house all the time. I had to go out and do something. My dad, I grew up listening to G. Gordon Liddy, to Rush Limbaugh, to, uh, <laughs> to all those shows. And even then, I was like, I couldn't stand it because it was just screaming, arguing. And I, I hate... It's not like I don't like confrontation. It's just that people screaming at each other makes it, it doesn't get anybody anywhere. And even anymore, if you go into all MSU, for God's sakes, and you read the message boards, which, I mean, that's just good for entertainment as it is because there's like <laughs> 10 people who post all the time uh, and their entire life is all MSU. But if you even go on there and look at the, 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 the political... Uh, arguments or conversations, it's not even... Con it's all one-sided 
heated battle throughout the whole thing. And that's what I don't understand about debates is nobody's ever going to come through and be like, hey, I am a choice. My, my opponent is another choice. You do your own research. You do you looking into it to yourself. You know, I am a human being, as is my opponent. We've both made mistakes in the past. I have my ideas. They have theirs. You choose. It's never like that. Why can't why can it not be like that, John? Because both, peop, both parties have to agree upon the rules before the debate begins, and one party is always trying to stick the other party with, like, the short end of the stick. They, Eric brings up a good point. Before the presidential debates, they will come up with like 300-page agreements. It's ridiculous. Down to yeah. the details of what color and type of tie yeah. uh, a candidate is wearing. Uh, and it's really unfortunate. I think that there's utility in a debate if the candidates are allowed to ask each other questions. If they're not allowed to ask each other questions, I think it's totally useless because all that people end up getting are a uh, amalgamation of all of the campaign commercials that each exactly. campaign is putting out there. I, I don't see much utility in debates uh, on the federal level. Um, on local level, I think it's a lot of utility. I think it's a good opportunity for candidates to gather in one spot and to have personal contact with voters that they wouldn't otherwise. But on the national level, it, I, it's really just a dog and pony show. And, you know, and on the state level, to some degree, it is too. We've actually got a caller here on Happy Hour, so this should be interesting. Politics and uh, call-in show. This is always good for uh, something. Impact, you're on the air. Yeah, Brock. So I was a good mix mixing uh, politics with radio, right? So I got a, I got a bone to pick with your saying there's no undecided voters. I think that, uh, you know, if you really look at the numbers, you're going to find that most people are undecided because they hate both of the That's, parties. That, that is a good point, because I was going to bring that up earlier and say that a lot of people are complaining right now that it's, you know, and they have for some time, it's the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. And well, the, the thing is, Brock, is that what about the fact that we have three uh, third-party candidates, the Green, Libertarian, and someone else, and where were they during this debate? I mean, I don't like Dick DeVos. I don't care for Jennifer Granholm. Why didn't I, as a voter, get to see those other three potential candidates get up there and have a chance. And at a state level, I mean, at a national level, you can argue that they, they really might not have a place, but at a state level, they certainly do have a place there because uh, it's a small, smaller group of voters, a lot better chance for them to really get their message out. And, you know, it's the same reason why someone like Jesse Ventura won. Yeah, that actually, that's a good point, John. Why weren't there uh, other party candidates? Well, in the I, th- I think the reason why is because there are a lot of third parties, and a lot of them uh, get pretty much the same number of votes every election year. Um, and it, what happens is, is if you open the gateway to have the Green Party candidate, for instance, why can't you open the gateway to have like all 17 candidates for president or all six or seven candidates for governor in the debate? And at that point, I, I'm not entirely sure there's much utility at that point because a lot of uh, – with due respect to their political opinions, and I know there are a lot of people who do vote for them, but most voters in America I think would say that these parties are on the fringe and don't, don't have real solutions to the kinds of problems that face the government. Or power to put those solutions right. into practice. Even beyond that, look in 1993. Ross yeah, Perot yeah. got into debates because he was he uh, was able to uh, campaign and get enough public support and raise enough money to where he grabbed people's attention. The fact of the matter is third-party candidates do make their way into debates. It happens all the time in all kinds of districts, all kinds of states. It even happens on the presidential level. But third-party candidates who aren't serious don't make it into debates because they're, quite frankly, not worth the voters' time. Well, but 
that statement alone, just saying that they're not worth the first time, is just another form of discrimination. I mean, because the fact is that a vote is a vote is a vote. And it doesn't matter if, if you want to vote for the socialists or you want to vote for Republicans, your vote is still valid. So Which is exactly what... By, by excluding those parties, you, re, you reduce the ch- uh, exposure, you reduce the chance they actually have to grow and do become that legitimate political entity that you might be attracted to. If I there think- was enough grassroots desire for a libertarian to be in the debate, that libertarian would be in the debate, absolutely. Not to mention the fact that third-party candidates don't have enough clout in the political circle to do anything. What are we going to do? Are we going to have a coalition government like in Italy where nothing can get done and there's just a bunch of factions fighting all the time? Well, I think... It couldn't could honestly be much worse than having Jennifer Granholm being steamrolled by the Republican legislature so that nothing she wanted to get done really got done. I think, caller, and I, I, I didn't catch your name, but I think that you make a lot of really good points. And I think that their debates do have a tendency to consolidate political support around candidates. So that's true. But I think that your criticism uh, would probably be a lot more effective 10, 15 years ago before the age of the Internet. A lot of voters know that there's going to be a Green Party candidate, there's going to be a Libertarian candidate, there's going to be a Socialist candidate. And voters who are truly disenchanted with both the parties to the point where they don't feel like they can vote for them have the option to find information about those candidates on their own. And the candidates uh, who do get support from voters like that end up in debates. And the candidates who don't get support from voters don't end up in the debates. Um, just, just remember, though, lack of, net, lack, lack of actual, quote-unquote, conventional media exposure will always equal being stuck on the fringe of society, and that's what we have to change. But so. in the, in, I think today, conventional media exposure isn't as important as it used to be. Uh, we see all the time on the Internet that people start their own blogs, they start their own, you know, I just heard something in NPR today about VJs, video journalists online who have their own news stations. Conventional media no longer uh, is tops in people's minds. There are all kinds of grassroots ways to get your message out there. Uh, and an, an example uh, that may not be exactly a good fit for this is Howard Dean. He was the governor of a very small New England state. He was nowhere on the political map, and I think it's it's correct to say that without the internet, he wouldn't have even come close to getting the, uh, or come close to where he was and how far he got in trying to get the Democratic nomination. Conventional media is not as powerful as it used to be, and debates I don't think really have that much of an effect um, as they used to. On, I, I on absolutely, trends. yeah, I absolutely agree with John, and I'm going to add another point a little bit a little bit away from what he was speaking of but I think parties like the Green Party and the Libertarian Party are certainly more left than the Republicans and if we have people that are agreeing with let's say 70% of the Democratic Party's ideas and 85% of the Green Party's ideas which both of those parties have a lot of overlap you're just screwing yourself really and all the other people who voted for Democrats when when it comes to who wins elections. You know, if we're going to nickel and... Why would we want to nickel and dime the minority party's share of the vote? That's not a smart strategy. Be a team player, all you Green Parties and Libertarians. I love your ideas. I certainly do. I love your, I love your political ideals. 
but you're really you're really screwing yourself. I really have to disagree with you on this one, Eric. I really do. <laughs> I, here's the th- here's the thing. I I, I, I we could talk Ooh. politics for a long time. Oh yeah, time, we could. <laughs> and we could keep the poor caller on. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for your call. By yeah. the way, you bring up a lot of really good points. Hey, we appreciate it. Our one listener has a great opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you calling. Please feel free to call in more often. <laughs> No problem, Rock. Thanks, guys. Talk yep. to you later. See you, right, uh, I, I just kind of wanted to move on because I, I, I just kind of want to keep it in the realm of pop culture because you guys know more than I know. An average dude knows. Give about. me, give me one more. One, I just want to have the <laughs> one last, oh after the one last word. Um, there were two things here. The caller brought up that there are more people who don't want to identify with the parties, and that's true. The number of identified independents in polling has grown substantially, but the number of people who exhibit loyal party voting, as in people who may identify themselves as Democrats but will vote, or as independents, excuse me, but will vote for a Democrat or vote for a Republican every time to go into the booth, has increased substantially. Um, the loyal voters have gone up, shot through the roof. And second of all, I disagree with you, Eric, about um, of third parties. I am not one of these people who says that Ralph Nader shouldn't have run for president. I think that if I Ralph am. Nader wants to run for president, he absolutely should. And if people want to vote for him, they should do it without guilt. Well, they let him get a major it. party nomination then. Ab- absolutely not. If there's a somebody wants to found a political party, more power to them. If somebody doesn't want to vote for the Republicans or the Democrats, <clears throat> more power to them. Your vote should not be determined by some kind of game about yeah, you know who what party should be in power. If you want to vote for somebody, vote for somebody it's absolutely your vote you do with it what you want to well I, then you'll end up on the losing side more often than not we go to michigan state university we have michigan state football we're used to the losing side i don't get to vote for john l smith as coach <laughs> <laughs> we should be able to vote for coach oh, if you know, i did he we, wouldn't be the coach anymore we're actually going to talk about that a little later in the show too because especially if you're on facebook there is a huge <laughs> amount of people complaining about the whole john l smith debacle oh, and man. Oh, we should fire john l we smith. should fire John He's a terrible coach. Are you kidding? Time you management. He doesn't know the. Year. He doesn't. Do he mean, doesn't follow the changes state. of the rules I'm from sorry. year to year. What's that? He doesn't follow the changes of the rules from year to year. He always mismanages the clock. He's terrible at clock management. He makes terrible calls late in the game. And winning more than three games a year that's isn't much. Good. When your main competition is U of M, that's your your bar of success. Is U of M? Okay. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. We might as well talk about this now because we're talking about it already. Uh, Obviously, people uh, were saying before, and this is completely as an outsider because I'm not a huge sports guy. I I mean, I love Michigan State basketball, Michigan State football. I've grown up with that, uh, obviously, being my school, my alma mater. That's what I'm into. But they said, you know, John L. was on the hot seat after last season. But, you know, the administration said, you know, we have faith that John L. can bring it around. Um, Even as an outsider... Uh, and for watching, I can still remember watching Michigan State football on uh, New Year's, winning the Rose Bowl, and it was like 1990 or 1988, wow. 89. Yeah. I still remember watching that game. But I think, first of all, the guy still has, what, two years left on his contract. You're not going to turn around a program that was completely screwed up in the first place by good old Bobby. I, I think that that people don't realize that if anybody, if any really talented player, now don't get me wrong, like, call Craig, Ringer, obviously Tran and Stanton, those guys all have a lot of talent. But I think all, all the true talent, like real, real professional-based talent, um, and I'm trying not to degrade MSU football at all, but all that any player that's going to come to the state of Michigan with that kind of talent is going to go to U of M. 
And well, I see. I, I regardless disagree. Of what, no, I disagree. Regardless I totally, of what no, coach you no. get in, they are not going to get them to come to Michigan State. Why I dis- not? I we don't get five-star recruits. We get three- and four-star recruits. Because you're not on the national stage like U of M. You're not. Here's, here's, we have a better chance of getting those students now than at any other time because Lloyd Carr is on his way out at U of M. Oh, they, not now. They are not happy not with now. him. They're I, not happy with him. I guarantee you, if, if he loses any more games, they're no, not happy with him. No, they've beat Notre Dame. They did I beat mean, Notre Dame. And he's doing better so far this year than he did last year. That's true. But if you look at his overall record, it's not what U of M expects. And when his con- they're not going to fire him, but when his contract's up at the end of the year, unless he wins a Rose Bowl this year, he's out. I guarantee it. And with the U of M uh, football, like in this, this is like a state of disarray for U of M football, even with the season that they're having. They are generally going in all cylinders. If uh, MSU, and these Mariucci rumors are really interesting to me, because if MSU can <laughs> Smith and brings in a, a coach, you know, forget what he did with the Lions, brings in a coach who is a top-tier offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers during their Super Bowl years, Give me a break, man. We're going to be able to attract a lot of talent with a coach like that, with U of M in the state of disarray that they're Michigan State University needs an absolute tyrant as a football coach. We need somebody who's going to lock down the players. We need somebody who's going to make them respect the program and respect the assistant coaches and respect the fact that they have to play hard. And I can I can agree with all of that. And if you want to go on that model, Mariucci's not the guy. But no, I think not it's at all. interesting. It's really interesting to think about the dynamics of recruitment to bring in a professional level coach. And he's just an example. But I I will agree with you, Eric, that that's Mich- what MSU needs. Michigan but. State made a major strategic error when they did not allow Urban when they did not bid enough for Urban Meyer to come here. Absolutely huge strategic error. Instead they went with John L. Smith. Um I I can't forgive it. I think it's terrible. And you know uh, that's a really apt I think uh, analysis of the whole thing because the big story with MSU football every year is that they win a bunch of games right up front, and the first big loss that they get, they're crappy the rest of the year. It breaks them. Yeah, and it well, shows that they've got a lack of discipline. Okay, here's the thing though: that we always win at the beginning of the year because who are we playing? We're playing, we're playing bad Central. teams. We're playing uh, right. But there are teams that we play that we will beat. They'll be really. Good. I mean, we came really close to beating. No Notre Dame. Uh, you know, we've beat top-tier teams in seasons, and the minute that we lose to a top-tier team, the rest of the season's shot. The rest of the season's gone. Look at what Tom Izzo does. He allows the basketball team to bounce back. Do you, I mean, okay, say what you will about the Cleves incident when he was here, but do you see Michigan State basketball players um, dragging police officers with their cars? No, you don't. You don't see that. <laughs> Well, that's true. Amateur yeah. football players do tend to get in a little more trouble. <laughs> they do tend to get in a lot more trouble. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think because if if they're gonna fire him, they gotta buy out the rest of his contract. And I, I, you gotta pay to play, hey, man. They've been up in my tuition for four freaking years. I'd that's a different that budget. That's a something. different. That's budget. a different budget. You can't. You know, I thought about that too. But I'm if like, you want to look at it, thanks, guys. If you, <laughs> it was just a joke. If you want, John, if you want to look at it in a, in that light. You're on the right track because they get more money now than they ever have with ticket sales because they just added onto the building with private donations. They have more vending than ever in Spartan Stadium. They sell out every game, even though we can't win one against a quality opponent. They're they're rolling in the money. Maybe the only thing they've lost money from is alumni donations due to their terrible tailgating policies. Yeah, yeah that's but. True. 
But you know what? <clears throat> if you want to compete with people like Ohio State, University of Michigan, and Iowa, you're going to have to you're going to have to spend the money. It's just it's part they're of in the, the same business. Situations the Lions are. The Lions will never ever have a game where they're not sold out. They will always have, be able to move jerseys. They will always be able to sell out Ford Field. They will always make money. So there's absolutely no incentive for them to put. Yeah, but is there? Games. See, when you have a team like U of M, which also, of course, sells out every game. Yeah, that's. U of M can create a buzz around their program that drives sales of merchandise Thanks from around Walmart. the country. <laughs> from Kmart. around the country, not only not only around the state of Michigan. If you if you go to California, you're not going to see people with MSU uh, apparel on other than Michigan State University graduates. Yeah. Are you going to see people wearing U of M hats? Heck yeah, you it's are. It's true. When I was in New York, every day I saw at least two U of M things on people everywhere. That's because they're arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> they have a right to be. They're the winningest program in college football history. They're, it's a fantastic program. To be quite honest, they've got some of the best. I mean, the best medical school, one of the best law schools, the best poli sci. Yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not going to get a school of humility. In the Midwest. It is. Ugh. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, Michigan State's got a lot going for it. But the joke about us being a cow college is apt in this analogy because a lot of the, our best programs are programs that aren't traditionally considered top-flight economic grabbers. I'm in the agricultural industry, and believe me, Michigan State University is absolutely revered in oh, my yeah. circle. You bet. But it's not, uh, I tell you what, if uh, let's let's have a, a, a game. Let's say you're growing up and you've got a daughter, and she's like 25, and she brings home a guy, right? And she says, hey, this is my boyfriend. He just got his law degree from U of M. Or she says, hey, this is my boyfriend. He just got his turf grass management degree from <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> which one are you? I Seriously, which one are you more? I mean, let's be honest. And I'm no knock on MSU. I love this college. Yeah, because I'm so I'm, I'm prejudiced here. against against people like that. Yeah. Oh my well, god. Well, it's, it's the truth. We're, we're off topic. <laughs> yeah, we're totally <laughs> off topic. Thanks a lot. Uh, but staying in the sports realm, uh, moving along to Major League Baseball and actually right. into uh, hockey as well. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go check the score of the Wings. Who are they playing? Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> what? Vancouver, apparently. Uh, this week, allegations, more steroid allegations in baseball, this time for the Rocket, Roger Clemens. Uh, I am the only, am I the only person that's getting tired of the whole steroid thing? Everybody, everybody does it. Everybody yeah. does steroids. You want to know why? Because everybody wants to see 70 home runs uh, a season. Everybody wants to see someone throwing 105 mm. mile an hour fastballs. You're not going to do it without steroids. You yeah. cannot argue to me that at least 70% of every major sport, including, uh, I mean, stupid things like Olympic stuff. I I would be willing to bet money that every one of those people takes steroids. And you know what? What? Steroids are not that bad for you. There is yet to be a study done that proves that steroids are bad as long as you're a male. It's because the studies (laughs) are uh, unethical. No, no, it's not. The reason the, the studies... Show if you are a male over the age of twenty five, all your epiphyseal plates have sealed. All you know, you're you're beyond your maturity. As long as you are a male above the age of twenty five, look at all the professional bodybuilders. Look at the like the Mr. Olympia was just last weekend. Those guys are at four percent body fat, three hundred pounds that win the Mr. Olympia. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, who by the way blows me away that a Republican candidate is totally whooping in uh, California right now because he's a liberal. Yeah, but here's the thing: he did steroids for years, years and years, and the guy is 
as healthy as anybody else. People argue, well, he had that heart valve thing. No, that was a congenital heart disorder that he's had since birth. As long as you do steroids correctly, and I'm not advocating the use, but I'm tired of it's like the drug war. It's like saying well, that you're gonna die if you smoke pot. You're gonna yeah, if you are a kid, if you're a kid that's like 16. Yeah, doing steroids probably will r- ruin your life. But to li- over just lie to the pu- the public and say steroids do all this terrible stuff to you, it's not true. It's, t- it's who's all- lying? Let's be honest here. If you do steroids, your eyeballs are gonna fall out and all your <laughs> hair's gonna. <laughs> That's turn true. Obviously, it's, I, I read it online. If, <laughs> yeah, who's saying? I mean, okay, bodybuilding first of all is not America's pastime. No, it's not. And we don't pay people millions of dollars a year to be bodybuilders we do not crowd stadiums for 162 games over the baseball regular season to see bodybuilding competitions there need there is an expectation of good old american fairness and level playing field when it comes to baseball that needs to be upheld i i totally disagree i totally why why because America is the country of bigger, better, faster, more. And they want to see... Yeah, but it's also equality. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about equality I when we get... agrees with you. When we get into people who are making huge amounts of money and have yeah. talent that nobody else on the The market the values does. their skills at a certain level, and that's what um, America... Is all about oh, well, here's, not equality. Here's the thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that people need to stop making a big deal out of it. I'm saying that that these uh, these doctors that are coming out with these studies that they're publishing. Uh, look, if you go onto YouTube, you can do a bunch of, uh, of searches for uh, steroid use. Uh, the movies that they've downloaded onto YouTube and how like they've played them on ESPN and whatever. Um, there's a story on MTV. I use steroids. It was just on again the other day about how this family equated the kid killed himself because he did steroid, like he was using steroids. Which, whatever. There's no documented proof yet that steroids are actually that bad for you if you use them in the right the the right way. And it's it's it, the thing that just it pisses me off so much is it's just like the drug war. Like I said, the, the if you you know smoke pot, you're gonna die, never have children. Uh, you're gonna microwave your baby. Uh, you know the it's only true. I've seen it. Delicious, happen. by the way, with a little carbonara. Absolutely. I, it just it drives me <laughs> insane. And they're going off about how unfair it is. I don't think it's unfair at all. America wants bigger, better, faster, more, and that's what they're going to get. I'm, I, you know what? I'm kind of torn on it. I'm like, I'm attracted by the argument that like the, it needs to be a level playing field and there's equality and everybody fine, fine. But I'm also like, man, I'll tell you what, I really, really enjoy watching home run derbies. Exactly. <laughs> Like, I'm just going to give it to you straight. I When it comes down to, like, hitting 80 home runs in a season, man, you juice up because that's real entertaining. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of well, fun. Well, it's not like – people also have the idea that people they're just shooting something uh, in their butt. And, and you know, like, <laughs> that's – That's well, how you do it. Well, you can do it in any number of muscles. But oh, th- they think that all you have to do is just do oh, that geez. and automatically you're going to be stronger. No. You have to work out you like the You have to bust double. your ass if you're using steroids. You have to eat, like, three times the amount you normally eat. It's not like you're just sedentary, just sitting around and oh, I'm taking Muscles. steroids. Mm. Mm. So I, if you're okay, you know what your argument has merit, absolutely. However, if you're going to condone it that way, then everybody should be given the opportunity to do steroids, and those who choose to do them, 
they will choose to do steroids and they might harm themselves, but we'll get to see 80 dingers. That's right. I'm just <laughs> oh, saying, geez. I I just think that it's, uh, even, here's the thing, if you go on the message boards on, on certain, I mean, there's obviously a lot of steroid websites, um, but, you know, like bodybuilding.com, just a general body, like they have sections that are ster- steroid sections. I mean, this isn't secret news. You can go on the internet and search for these. And people who obviously aren't using their real names and so forth are talking about how they're getting ready for their college football season uh, and they're using the juice. Like, people think because, you know, there's testing that if you use juice once, you're if you test, you're going to proved to be a positive that's not true most steroids their half-life is ridiculous so it's only in your system for like three weeks but uh i don't know i I don't know why uh why it gets me so animated but it's it's just the whole thing with the whole drug war just it's out out, outlandish anyway something else that's a scandal moving on uh, by the way four three two three eighty nine three or of course impact exposure uh, AOL screen name. I think I've officially uh, scared everybody in the studio uh, thus far uh, on my rant on steroids. <laughs> Especially because you you're very large. Yeah. You're a large man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Raw steroids. Hulk angry. <laughs> uh, here's yet another scandal that's much more lighthearted. Uh, the Foley scandal. Oh, the Foley oh. bastard scandal. What exactly happened? Scandal. Here's what happened. Yeah, in breaking down Foley. Let's. Uh, oh. Oh, Let's boy. try to keep it as as non. Oh, I will absolutely. Don't worry about. <laughs> oh yeah, it. the facts bear themselves out. I feel <laughs> yeah. like. T- tell me what happened. Mark Foley, Republican congressman from Florida. Republican. Um, Say that again. Yeah. Right? Oh, Republican congressman. Republican. No, but that's and seriously, that's he. It. Well, let me just. Explain. It's neither here nor there. Yeah, it it really isn't because it, I mean the, it's not something that's partisan specific. Mark Foley. Um, there are things called pages in Congress, and pages are high schoolers in their junior year who come to Washington, D.C. and do an internship for a year, pretty much acting as gophers uh, for senators and congressmen. It's a great program, though. It's great for the students, uh, except when you work for Mark Foley. He uh, engaged in inappropriate online conversations with several male pages. Hello. Uh, you know, in... Say what you will about cyber the content. Sex. It's pretty much cyber sex, and it, it was very, very inappropriate. Um, and the that's not the scandal, though. Oh. That's a really terrible thing. Um, and he has resigned from Congress. There's an investigation from the Justice Department. Louis Free, who's the former director of the CIA, is coming in to do a study on ways to improve security in the PAGE program. That's being taken care of. The scandal here is that the Republican leadership knew about it and didn't do anything about it because they didn't want to have that headline in an election year. But not only that, they've known about it apparently for three years, and they never stepped in How did they know about it? Members knew. Members were told by pages, and and by members I mean other congressmen, or congresspeople, excuse me, and they came forward and told Dennis Hastert, who's the Speaker of the House, that this was going on, and rather than take care of it, they decided that in the 2000, uh, 2004 presidential election, when gay marriage was the number one issue for Republicans to motivate evangelical voters, they didn't want that in the headlines that and a Republican we're in, congressman. We're in no way equating pedophilia with homosexuality. 
Right. That should be. I'm not sure that I said anything that would have done that, but that's you that's certainly didn't. That up. You certainly <laughs> didn't. That's that's the other thing. What the really funny thing about this is on Tuesday, a lot of Republicans came out, like Newt Gingrich, for instance, and and Bob Boehner, who's the majority leader in the House, and said, "Well, you know, maybe we just didn't do anything about it because we didn't want to be accused of gay bashing." And at that point, the argument becomes, well, maybe you're accused of gay bashing when you equate pedophilic sexual predators with gay people. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they haven't – I think that the real thing – the reason why this is such big news is not only because the Republican leadership didn't do anything about it, but second of all, this is what they call an October surprise. In elections, October is the month before Election Day, and if there's a big October surprise that shakes up the election – this is it, man. The wheels on the Republican majority have come off the wagon. I'm they waiting. Are reeling. I'm personally waiting for a tape of President Bush calling up Dennis Hastert. I'm waiting for President Bush to get on there and say, "Heck of a job, Hastert. Heck of a job." Right. Has, has well, this been widely like publicized by the media? I'm sure Fox. Are you Fox yeah. 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 Like yeah. Yeah. under a rock for seven? Absolutely. Every media outlet, and the worst part is that every day there's a news story. Yeah. Yes, three days ago it was that Mark Foley was molested, and this is the really unfortunate part. He was molested as a child by a Catholic clergyman. Uh, allegedly. Which obviously, allegedly, yeah, uh, according to him, which obviously can do a lot of psychological damage to somebody. He's seeking help. It's good that he's seeking help, and it's good that no pages were actually harmed in any way uh, in this whole thing. But that was the headline a couple days ago. Didn't he have, like, alcoholism? Like, yeah, he went then rehab? he said that he, he was an rehab. alcoholic, yeah. which is why he wanted to rehab. That was the next day. Then the next day, the big story was that the Republicans knew about it for three years. Then today, Dennis Hastert, who's the Republican Speaker of the House... Uh, who's the one in, that's in all, all this heat, had a press conference saying, I apologize, but I'm not stepping down. There continues to be headlines about this every single day, and they're new and they're revealing. And the headline tomorrow, there, it's been, you know, seven days now. That's enough time for polling. And the headline tomorrow is going to be new polling is going to come out, and some of it came out tonight showing that the Democrats are just quashing the Republicans. Not to mention that Dick Cheney today says he supports Hastert 100%. Right. Oh, but by the way, ah, uh, Vice, Vice President, President Cheney, Cheney was sorry. in uh, Bath Township today where he said that... Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. said that... Uh, um, and I find the statements that come out of these people's mouth, regardless of my political affiliations, which are loose at best, where he said that if you if you want to win the war on terror, you better uh, you better elect Republicans, otherwise the Democrats can't do it. And I, like, I, this is why I hate yeah, politics Yeah, because they've been so doing much. great so far. I, this is why I hate politics so much. Yeah. And even my parents, like I said before earlier, I, I usually have conversations with my, with my folks about uh, politics because they are very opposite of what I am, and we like to argue via email. Email. I don't know uh, when we started doing this, but uh, even they—they they <laughs> do that with my dad. He's a member of the NRA. Yeah, so. <laughs> he, uh, great they, guy though. <laughs> they're really like they emailed me today talking about how uh, how the Republicans dropped the ball because a they made this into a political thing when. Uh, if if you watched any of the coverage, they talked about the first thing they'd said is they re, re, uh, referenced the 1982 scandal. Oh yeah, uh, with the I don't remember the guy's name. It was Democrats back then. He was a Demo Well, here's do you know the the lucid details of this? No, I don't. The know Democratic that. congressman from a very very liberal district 
who was engaged. Oh, he had a prostitution ring in his house, right? That well, well, this I'm talking about the scandal with the pages in oh. 1982. Right. He got caught. So there was a first of all, he got caught having sexual relations with a 16 year old page who was of the female persuasion. Um, and he was married. So this was an affair. It was a huge scandal. Not only that, but a further investigation of the PAGE program showed that it was rampant in drug use. Oh, and so they had a huge crackdown in the early 80s on the PAGE program. Well, everything was drug use. In like, the early 80s, everybody yeah. did drugs. It, it was like breathing. <laughs> but no, it's just too bad. And then the fact, I, I'm sure you've heard the sound bites where, the, uh, where Rush goes off about, Rush Limbaugh, of course, goes off about how the uh, Democrats just wish this would have happened to them so they could talk. I, I, some of the things that come out of the, that guy's mouth about this, but the morning show, uh, the sound bite where the, he said the, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, I don't even want to say it on air anyway, uh, said the kids were asking for it or what? egging no, it on. No, no, no. Did you hear that? Oh, that's a reason why no one out of us. It, it was that. a national syndicated morning show. It's obviously a conservative Republican show. Goodness. Uh, the, the guy talked about how these pages, these gay pages, were asking, like egging it on and asking for it and so forth. And, and even if they were, it's inappropriate for him as like the leader, the authority yeah. to give in, to you know, one do of the anything most about powerful it. men in the country. Yeah. The really, really sad thing about this is that. For, I mean, and I'm the political, politically sad thing. It's, it goes without saying that this whole hubbub with Mark Foley, Congressman Mark Foley, was is really, really sad, and it shouldn't have happened, and all that. But the politically aspect of this that's sad is, had the Republican leadership, you know, two years ago, three years ago, just said, even in the middle of the presidential election, just said, we found out about this. We asked him, you know, he's resigned from his office. He's been removed from all leadership positions. And, you know, we're launching an investigation. This would have been in the papers for maybe a day. Mm-hmm. And it would have been gone because mm-hmm. that, that's the responsible thing to do. And now I guarantee you the polling's going to come out tomorrow and show that this issue alone has put three, maybe four congressional seats in play for the Democrats and three, maybe four senatorial seats in play for the Democrats. Yeah, I, this alone may have cost the Republicans their majority. In I have a new Zogby poll sitting in my inbox right now. Yeah, Eric's a Zogby. If that tells you anything about the validity of Zogby polls, <laughs> Mr. Dr. Kilometer here is a Zogby respondent uh, for the Zogby polls. I, <laughs> How did you get on that list and I didn't? Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, uh, think polls... Honestly, I'm not a big uh, person on polls. I don't think they reflect a lot of, I mean, usually the sample size. Most of the time when they're useful, they tell you something you already know. Yeah. And in this point, the Republicans are screwed and the polls are going to show up. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I absolutely do. I I think you'll be looking at a a Democratic House and possibly a Democratic Senate and the Democrats are going to pick up six, maybe seven governorships on election day. Censure. You know, I think no, I need, we there need won't to, be a censure. We need to uh, we need to put up place a bet. You and I. You got see. it. Let's do it. Because <laughs> I remember when you came into a director's meeting once, you're like, "Oh my God, Howard Dean is so gonna win president election." Well, <laughs> well, that was before I went out. That was before I went out to Iowa and worked for him. The minute I set foot in Iowa, I was like, "Oh man, dude, Howard Dean is screwed." But, <laughs> <laughs> the minute, and it was obvious in Iowa, it was real obvious John Kerry was going to win, but none of the national media picked up on it at uh, all. 
Well, thanks for listening to Happy Hour. We've had uh, one hell of a show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, lots to talk about. I hope you join us again next week. The Basement, it is up next. I see uh, both Kate and Amanda in there ready to rock out. So uh, we will look forward to that. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Happy Hour on Impact Exposure on Impact 89 FM. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.